in a week or two's time, we'll be pleased to announce that we are going to be co-authors of a new book um, and therefore a published author. So I took this opportunity to get CX experts on the RecX podcast. Makes sense, right? So RecX is going to be talking CX. And on these episodes, I'm going to be speaking with people from all over the world about all things customer experience. I created our recruitment business with values all around the customer journey and how we treat our candidates and our clients as customers. And therefore, it was pertinent that as we do this spin-off series on talking about customer experience, we can learn a number of lessons on why employers and how they're engaging their staff, but also how you keep your customers engaged and how you can attract new customers and how these attitudes are all contagious. So I hope you enjoy this new series um, and I'm really excited to, to be speaking to some really, really strong CX industry experts. We hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the RecX podcast. Uh, today I've got the privilege of speaking to another fellow co-author, um, Nick from Paradigm CX. So Nick, over to you. Do you want to give us a bit of an intro? So my name's Nick Liger Baker. So as Dan's already said, so I, I set up a company called Paradigm CX. Um, and what I'm looking to do is offer sort of a virtual customer experience office of companies that are um, just coming through that, that sort of first setup phase and start to focus more on their customer experience and start to operationalize it. So, yeah, they've got or may have a voice of customer program. They may have um, a shopping program or they're thinking of it. Um, and I will help them you know, join some of those dots together and fill in some of those gaps. And I think, um, yeah, there's a lot of businesses that provide um, agency um, level support. So whether it's market research or there's companies that are SaaS based solutions and technology. Mm -hmm. um, but it's those gaps that you find in between where actually at times it's, it's difficult for companies to... To, to identify and get to grips with how to use that information, how to embed it in their company and become more customer centric. Perfect. And um, just talk to us about your journey then. So how did you, how did you fall into CX? So, uh, yeah, so I, I started my journey uh, almost 20 years ago now as I graduated with a retail degree. Um, I went into category management, category planning, uh, working in e-commerce, which was very exciting at the time. Uh, beginning of the dot-com boom or towards the end of it in some respects um, mm. and helping to digitize music um, working for a company that was at the forefront of that and helping e-tailers like play.com and others start to to get more traction with major labels but one of the key things was what the user experience was like how yeah. do we get more people to engage with the product how do we get people to be more comfortable with those services and then that started to evolve into streaming services and other uh, more um, familiar technologies that we are used to now yeah that was nearly 15 years ago um, and from that I, I moved into a SaaS company that was a mystery shopping provider you know, probably the first online mystery shopping company globally um, mm -hmm. very small new business um, yeah and helped that grow into uh, you know, a much bigger sort of SME um, and then that sold and then I, uh, I uh, took a role at uh, Ipsos Mori um, and they, as a research company, were starting to look at how do we you know, use technology, how do we make voice of customer um, part of their repertoire, because up until that point, their customer research was, was pr pretty traditional. Mm. So, um, yeah, I helped them with building that product, that portfolio, um, and up until now. So. Okay. 
So I've got a question. Um, having spoken to a couple of American-based CX experts, mm -hmm. the and a lot of the sort of SaaS vendors seem to be coming out of the states. Where are we as a country um, in comparison to the to the to the likes of the US? I think there's a there's always been a gap for me, and I think the researchers and the SaaS companies are kind of on either side of that gap, and that that's one of the reasons why I set Paradigm CX up. It's the US are very technology led. So it's about making sure the technology has all of the things we think we can design. Mm -hmm. And I think market research is more about how do you get to the truth? How do you get to that moment of magic from the insights that you can then take an action to deliver? Yeah. And two very different approaches. And um, because of that, there is always a slight disparity between what the right way to do it might be. And for me, it's, it's the technology has to enable live interaction. The closer to that moment of truth you can get, the better the quality of feedback is, the more honest it is, the more emotion, emotional it might be. But the way in which you ask questions, the way in which you build your voice of customer programs has to be done in a way that is not as restrictive as it might well be by default. You know, it's a contrived, it's a contrived process. Yeah. You ask a question with a set number of answers, you are only going to get feedback on those answers. Yeah. The more open text you have, the more you'll get back, but the more random it will be and the harder it is to then take insight from it. So technology is improving to get to that, but the two different industries as such are starting to combine to get the best out of technology and the best out of research. I think to answer your question, I think the, the US are probably more technology driven and I think the UK Western Europe are are probably more research driven but both are now getting to a point where they are starting to deliver to deliver you know great outputs yeah will there ever be a mix do you think uh, where, where do you see it going I, uh, yes to, to a degree I, I see and again coming from a research perspective I've seen budgets within clients rotate and cycle. So budgets will start off maybe in mystery shopping and I think great we've we've checked how well you know our staff can deliver our training. So we'll we'll chalk that one off to experience and say thanks we're we're at that stage where we're comfortable. And we'll take that budget and we'll now have a voice of customer program. And we'll listen to our customers for a year or two and then we'll go actually that's great. We know our customers are happy and our MPS score is at a certain level whatever you think of NPS, um, and then they'll revert that back to something else. So really you end up with different views of customer experience, none of which are really integrated and none of which are really giving different views at the same time. Mm. So where I see things migrating and moving forwards is more integration of different measures to create a more holistic picture of CX. Yeah. Certainly from a, a measurement perspective, and of course, it goes much deeper in, in terms of culture and process, business strategy than yeah, just the measurement itself. But you know, from a SaaS versus research perspective, that's where yeah, I think things will evolve into something a bit more yeah, holistic. OK, Brill, do you get many um, businesses, obviously, working in terms of the voice of the customer, where you're talking about the traditional sense, you are selling a product or a service, that's the customer that's purchasing that service or that product. But do you get many businesses that are asking you to help support 
the employees who are you know treated as a, I suppose another type of customer um, um, yeah I mean fundamentally if, if, if you're writing questionnaires it's easy <laughs> to then move that into the employee sphere I think one of the more exciting projects I've had is yeah traditionally an employee survey would be very much around you know why do you work for this company do you like your boss you're happy with your salary we, we already know the answers to those questions mm -hmm. yeah. because people don't want to be identified you know they don't want to be seen as, as rocking the boat um, yeah. and they'll never ever say they're happy with the salary you know that's yeah. just the way people are yeah. um, but one of the things that um you know i, I worked with a, a leading insurer to, to identify was we don't understand whether our employees see the customer journey in the same way that our customers see it we yeah. don't know if they can truly empathize with our customers because we don't know if they understand where the pinch points might be on their journey mm -hmm. so we started to ask similar questionnaires of the employees as we were asking of the customers in order to then see where the gaps were do some analysis on it and start to close those gaps between the customer expectations of the organization and the employee expectations of the customer journey and in doing so you start to create a um, a model that helps that organization get far closer to its customers because you've started to create a channel for employees to be more empathetic some are going to be great at it naturally but some need that little bit of coaching and training to be able to get to that level and yeah. then all of a sudden you start to enable the organization to to think more empathetically about how they engage with their customers you can start the employees becoming um, more enabled mm -hmm. giving them a little bit more autonomy in being able to make decisions um, particularly if you're in the case of an insurer which is largely online or contact center based if you're able to give more empowerment to those employees, you don't have to bounce customers through different departments. Yeah. You can make decisions on activities in real time. It saves ultimately time for the employer. <laughs> so they're happy because they see a little bit of return from a financial benefit. But from a customer point of view, the engagement scores go through the roof and you end up with greater retention, um, both with employees and with customers. And if you can retain highly skilled, trained employees and allow them to mirror and reflect you know, the passion that the brand has and wants to project to customers, then you start to create something very special. Yeah, brilliant. No, thank you for that. I'm always intrigued to see how you know, so businesses are sort of looking at the, the whole customer experience piece because I, you know, I, I'm a strong believer that if you've got happy, happy staff and they, they empower and they embody your values and your culture, then that will be, you know, uh, pretty contagious when it comes to speaking to new customers or, you know, retaining the, the, the business's own current customer base, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's both inspiring, but it's also, you know, there has to be a realisation that, that businesses aren't built on numbers. Mm. Yeah, they're built on people. Yeah. So most people track numbers. They yeah. don't necessarily track the people in that way. Yeah. So there is an evolution that I think... Uh, is coming uh, starting to happen in those companies that are seeing success particularly on the back of the lockdown that we've had and COVID-19 those more customer-centric organizations are starting to see the benefits of that as we come out the other side and I also think that the um, yeah those companies that are changing their internal structures are starting to see the benefits of, of breaking down silos um, because customer experience isn't 
just one function that sits in one department for me. It's something that um, yeah has to be lived and breathed through the entire organisation. Yeah. Um, quite often, yeah, different parts of what I would call customer experience are owned by different stakeholders within an organisation, which means it's quite disjointed. It's not very well connected, and therefore, all of these working parts aren't optimised in any way, shape, or form to actually create the outputs that they were intended to do. Yeah, brilliant. So let's talk about how we're going to be co-authors together, Nick. Um, <laughs> what's your chapter on, and and you know, in terms of the principles, uh, which principle are you under? So I'm under organisation adoption and accountability um, for this one. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I avoided the voice of customer and research piece for this particular chapter. Um, but I, a couple of projects I've worked on touch on yeah, turning customer service into customer care mm-hmm. and that transition journey. So I, I wanted to talk about how that is for me, what, what are important and the steps that you can take to, to make that happen. Um, you know, I gave a couple of examples of some retailers that, that have fallen foul of, of not listening to their customers and not really taking on board um, the customer experience and the customer expectations. But I also wanted to talk about the fact that to be customer focused to actually takes focus. You can't just pay lip service to it. It's not something that you can rebadge and expect it to work. Um, it's far more complicated than that. It's very much about the science behind it and how you get people engaged and moving forwards. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about throughout that process and my chapters touches on is, is how you, you know, the types of frameworks you can take to get your organisation moving towards being more customer centric and about customer care rather than just providing a customer service. Yeah. yeah, we're not just ticking a box. We're trying to engage with our customers. We have the opportunities through our contact centres to do so. Yeah, they, they have the same level of contacts, if not more in some cases, than some of our yeah, frontline store staff. Mm-hmm. How do we enable them to be seen in the same way that they are? And how do we empower them to have the same level of engagement with customers as they would as well? Brilliant. Brilliant. So in terms of what what this year's held for you so far how have you found um how have you found lockdown how's uh as the last 14 weeks with you lockdown's been a bit cathartic in some respects um yeah a, a big project that i was working on for about 18 months um really intensified at the end of january into march mm-hmm. um that was delivered yeah successfully you know i was thrilled to bits with how that went um but what it meant was yeah, committing a huge amount of time to making sure that that was delivered successfully into into the beginning of March. So, coming out the back of that, um, yeah, this has meant that uh, yeah the momentum was lost on on other things in the next project. So I've I spent my time just thinking about actually my yeah what what do I want to do? What what's my experience? Where can I add value? So I've started to write some of this down. Um, I spent a lot of time in industry without really sharing a lot of the experiences that I've managed to to gain mm-hmm. so I've I've for the first time yeah I would say put pen to pencil yeah pen to paper but yeah I've been typing up a few um, examples of yeah my opinion on yeah how net promoter has evolved um, the voice of customer programs I've looked at yeah um, customer service customer care agents as super agents the expectations on them now versus what previously they would have been expected to do 
um, and how things have evolved for them and uh, and also got involved in the CX2 book. Yeah, brilliant. And that's obviously coming to a to a head soon. Is that the first time you've done some something like this? Or yeah, yeah, it's the first time I've, I'll be published um, uh, as a as a book author. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Really looking forward to it. Um, you know, I'm thrilled to be you know within the collection of so many other you know great CX professionals that um, many of whom I've I've known already, but uh, many more I've started to um, you know to network and, and meet over the last 14, 15 months. So yeah. <laughs> over the lockdown, um, and for me, it's been a big opportunity to to connect with with CX professionals and really start to you know, have these discussions uh, like with yourself, um, learn what other people are doing and, and continue understanding uh, what, where I fit and what my experience can do to help others and, and to start understanding where others have, have great skills and value that can bring to you know, projects that I might be involved in. Yeah, nice. Okay, so I'm going to give you the chance to, to have a platform um, so you can shout as loud as you want or you can uh, talk as much as you want. But what I've been asking everyone that's been appearing on this series um, of the RecX podcast is if you could talk about a message or a point or give any bit of advice to an employer when it comes to, to all things CX, what would that advice be? So I was talking to a CEO. My advice would be yeah, customer experience can be the difference between growth and prosperity um, or struggling to survive. And it's, it's more than just a project. It's not something you turn on, um, let it run for a little bit and then switch off. It's a cultural shift. Um, it's really important to start engaging across the entire organization. It may be owned by a chief customer officer or chief customer experience officer at, at board level. It has to have representation at board level because it's, it is that important to the way in which organizations should function. But it's about making sure that the customer is never forgotten in the decisions that are made for the business. Mm -hmm. uh, more often than not, business objectives, business outcomes are the desired goal. It's about making money. It's about growing. It's about how big you are, how famous you are. That's fine. But you only ever achieve that if your customers buy into that and they buy your products, buy your services and help that happen. So never lose sight of your customers and you know, working with CX professionals will really help you refine those skills and help you deliver that. Perfect. Nick, one last thing. If people want to get in contact with you or they want to connect with you, what's the best way for doing so? Uh, it's Nick Ligo Baker on LinkedIn. Uh, it's paradigmcx.com or it's nick at paradigmcx.com for email. Perfect. Nick, thank you for being a, a guest on the show. Um, I look forward to hopefully grabbing a beer with you at some point when we... Uh, well, we are allowed, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah. yeah. But uh, thank you for taking the time to, for being on the show. Brilliant. Thank you very much.